Hey, can I say this? I love, I love, and I am so excited to be here with y'all. I love the fact that we are here together, that we are worshiping together. I am excited for tonight. Because if I'm honest, I believe that God is going to do something awesome tonight. And I'm excited for this whole semester. We talked about this vision we have last week. We talked about doing this together. We talked about growing closer to God together. I'm excited to get to do that with you guys this semester. But I'm excited about tonight. Like I'm, mm, I'm going to tear up already. That's how excited I am about tonight. I, I'm excited because we're starting a new series. Like Rip said, we're starting this series called Created Matter. And we all, we're going to dive right into the book of Genesis. The very first book of the Bible, the first three chapters of it. And we're going to talk about creation. We're going to talk about our purpose. We're going to talk about the fall. And, and we're going to talk about God's most prized creation. You. And why you matter. Created matter. But before I do that, let me ask you a question. Who do you look like? Think about it. Don't say it out loud. But who do you look like? For, for example, my kids are in the back. They're yelling who they look like. That's hilarious. Um, uh, for example, for me growing up, for me growing up, I always thought that I looked like my mom. We, we're both, uh, we both have dark hair. We both have a darker skin complexion. We're both not the tallest people in the world. And, and then what, my first Father's Day, my first Father's Day, I'm holding my little baby Isabel. And my dad is standing beside me and my wife takes this picture of us. And then she shows me the picture and she's like, oh, look how cute Isabel is. And I'm not paying attention to that at all. Because I realize I look like my dad. Like I have his nose, I have his, his like jawline. The only difference is he has this incredible handlebar mustache that I can only dream of. And he's bald. Like I have a set of hair he could only dream of. <laughs> or, or, or going into this whole thing, like who do you look like? My kids answered in the back. But like one of the most awkward things that you can never go up to a parent and say is if you come up and tell me, oh, your kid looks like so-and-so. For example, Caleb, my, my four-year-old awesome son, Caleb. People see him, people see him and they say, oh my gosh, that's a mini Emilio. He looks just like you. He has your smile. He has your eyes. He talks more than you do, but more than hope for sure. He, he is just like you. And my wife is there. He's like, well, you know, he's got my ears and, and my eyes. And people say, hope you're being ridiculous. That is not your child. He's only Emilio's. Or on the flip side, Grace, my six-year-old, beautiful Grace, my Atlanta United fan, Grace. People say that she is a six-year-old version of my wife, Hope. She's got my wife's eyes, my wife's ears. She is sweet and kind like my wife. Apparently, I'm not sweet and kind at all. But I, but I tell people, I say, you know, she's, she's a version of me too. Like it's 50-50 it's and people say, Emilio, you're an idiot. That's Hope. I'm like, okay, fine. And then there's Isabel, which is the funniest or most awkward, however you want to look at it. You see, when, when Isabel, who's beautiful now, but when she was a baby, that girl had chunks on chunks on chunks. You know what I'm saying? Like, she had, like, the squishy little cheeks, and, like, she had the rolls. Like, like she didn't have kneecaps. She just had rolls. And people would always say, wow, Emilio, Isabel looks just like you. But then wait for it, wait for it. Here's where it gets good. Then, then she turned into that and, and she grew up and she grew up out of her baby fat. And, and people said, oh, wow, she looks just like Hope. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, hold up. So you're wearing a puffy jacket. So, so you're saying that chubby Issa looks like me. People say, yes. 
And I was like, and, and, and thinned out Issa looks like hope. They're like, yes, now you're listening. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Y'all are, I was like, I, I feel like I look fantastic now. They say that I don't. But here's the point. The point is who we look like matters. I was talking with Rip uh, earlier this week as we were talking about this talk, and he was telling me about his son Jude, whom he adopted from Ethiopia. His son Jude, who's this incredible kid, and how recently he has this desire to see and to know what his birth parents look like because he wants to know who he looks like. Who we look like matters. Our image is important. It matters to us. But just like with everything else in our world, in our society, in our culture, we have twisted it. We've become a people who've become obsessed with, with filters. We've become obsessed with filters, making ourselves look better. We've become obsessed with the way that we dress. We've become obsessed with taking pictures of ourselves. We've become obsessed with this idea of sometimes changing ourselves from who we were born to be. We've, we've twisted it. But the thing is, that's... That's not what image is. Our image is, is all about who we look like. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. You see, we, we don't, we're not going to talk about the fact that we might look like our mom or we look like our dad. Tonight we're going to talk about this truth, that we are created in the image of God. And because we are created in the image of God, we matter. So tonight we're going to go into Genesis, and I'm going to read just some verses. I'm going to start off with Genesis 1.27. It's the 27th verse of the entire Bible. It's kind of a big deal. Here's what it says. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Like, soak that in for a second, because that's good stuff right there. He created us intentionally as male and female. In the image of God, he created them. We are created in his image. And because we are created in his image, male and female, he says this about us. He says that we are very good. If you know the creation story, if you've read chapter 1 of Genesis, chapter 2, you know that he, he creates the, the heavens and, and the seas, the land, the trees, the, the plants, the animals, the birds in the sky. And he looks at all those things and he says, that is good. He speaks these things into place and says, that's good. But then he spends a little bit extra time on man. He says, that's very good. This is what it says in verse 2-7. Genesis 2.7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. He spoke those other things into place and said they were good, but with man, he, he created it. He sculpted man. He breathed life into them. He spent extra time into this beautiful prized creation that is man. But not to be outdone, he creates woman next. And this is what it says, 18 through 23. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. 
So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. God took his time. He took more time when he created man and woman. And he declared these creations to be not good, but very good. I used to go on this trip with a group of students and and early morning before sunrise, we would hike up to the top of this mountain and we would get there as the sun was rising. And as the sun was rising, I would would share these verses. And I would talk about the fact that, that God sees this incredible sunrise. He sees this light pushing the darkness away, this incredible valley, these mountains. And he says, those are good. And while we're staring at what this beautiful creation is, God is staring at us because to him, we are very good. We are very good. He created us with an intentionality. He did not make a mistake when he made you. Male and female, he created you. You are not a mistake. You were created with a purpose. You were created with a certain dignity because you are an image bearer of God. Because we're created in his image, I believe that there's two truths that we can take. Two truths that I believe that if if we actually believed these things, if we actually lived this out, it would change the way we look, not just at ourselves, but at each other, at this world, at eternity. And the first truth is this. Because we are an image bearer of God, we are known by God. We are known by God. God sculpted you. He created you in the womb. I, I think about like a, a master builder who, who spends time on his, on, his, on his work of art. For example, last year, my wife and I, we, we, were, we wanted a new dining room table because the one that we had was like a thousand years old and my wife destroyed it when she was in college. But so instead of going to Target or Ikea, which would have saved us a lot of money, we went to my friend who owns this business that creates custom tables. And we gave him an idea of what we wanted to do. And then he just, he went for it. He designed it, he built it, he created it. He was intentional about every little detail. To this day, to this day, he could tell you what kind of wood he used. He could tell you the stain that he used. He could tell you how long my table is. He could tell you the depth, the dimensions. He knows that table because he created that table. Even to this day, when I see him, I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? How are your kids? He goes, hey, great. How's your table? I'm like, hey, my kids are good. He's like, I don't care. How's your table? I'm like, the table's table's great. He created it with this intentionality. He created it with this purpose. God has done the same thing with you and with me. And he knows you. Jeremiah 1.5 tells us this. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God formed you in the womb. And when he was forming you in the womb, he knew exactly what you were going to do. He created you with a purpose in mind. He made no mistake about you. He knows how many hairs on your head, or in my dad's case, the fact that he doesn't have any. He knows you because he created you. John John 10, 14 says this. This is Jesus. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. He knows his own. Jesus knows his own. Like if you're in this room and you claim to be a believer, you claim to know Jesus, guess what? Jesus knows you. He knows everything about you. 
He knows what you have done, what you're going to do, and he knows you. And guess what? He is still crazy about you. There's nothing that you can do that will change that. Which leads me to my second truth. Because you're an image bearer of God, you are loved by God. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then you go, uh, go forward some verses in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. God knows you. And because he knows you, everything about you, God loves you. So much so, so much so that he sent his son Jesus. He sent him from the right hand of the Father, from the right hand of his throne, to live amongst us, to die for us, so that we can live with him and in eternity. He is absolutely crazy about you. You see, the thing is for us, when, when we look in a mirror, when we look in a mirror, we, we see something that's broken. We see something oftentimes that's, that's not worthy, that, that we're just a waste of space in, in, in this society, that we're not worth living for. But when God looks at you, he says, no, 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 you are worth dying for. When he sees you, he sees his creation. He spent this time on you. And, and, and because he sees that he knows you and he loves you and he wants what's best for you. And what's more is that if, if you are in Christ, he sees perfection. He sees Christ in you. He sees uh, his, his perfect child. He knows you and he loves you. If you know me, then you need to know this. My favorite chapter in the entire Bible is John chapter 4. It's my favorite chapter in the Bible. It's, it's, it's the chapter where, where Jesus has this encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. And, and this woman comes to the well at midday because she is ashamed of who she is. She's ashamed of what she has done. And, and she shows up and, and sure enough, there's Jesus. And she has this incredible watershed moment with Jesus right there. But instead of me reading John chapter 4, I want you guys to hear a poem about John chapter 4. But here's the thing. I don't want to read it. So I'm going to bring up my daughter, Isabel. And she's going to read to you this poem. So y'all give it up for my daughter, Isabel. You stand right there. Hey, princess. All right. I'm a woman of no distinction, of little importance. I'm a woman of no reputation, save that which is bad. You whisper as I pass by and cast judgmental glances, though you don't really take the time to look at me or even get to know me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. Otherwise, what's the point in doing either one of them in the first place? I want to be known. I want someone to... Look at my face and not to see two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears, but to see all I, th that I am and could be all my hopes, loves, and fears. And that's too much to hope for, to wish for, or pray for, so I don't, not anymore. Now I keep to myself, and by that I mean the pain that keeps me in my own private jail, the pain that's brought me here at midday to this well. To ask for a drink is no big request, but to ask it of me, a woman unclean, ashamed, used, and abused, an outcast, a failure, a disappointment, a center. No drink passing from these hands to your, to your lips could ever be refreshing, only condemning, but I'm sure you condemn me now but you 
but you don't. You're a man of no distinction, though of utmost importance, a man with low reputation, at least so far. You whisper and tell me to my face what all those glances have been about, and you take the time to really look at me. I don't need to get to know me, for to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known, and you, and you know me, you actually know me. All of me and everything about me, every thought inside and hair on my head, every hurt stored up, every hope, every dread. My past and my future, all I am and could be, you tell me everything, you tell me about me. And that which is spoken by another would bring hate and condemnation. Coming from you brings love, grace, mercy, hope, and salvation. I have heard of one to come who can save a wretch like me. And here in my presence you say, I am he. To be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And I just met you, but I love you. I don't know you, but I want to get to. Let me run back to town. This is way too too much for me. There are others, brothers, sisters, lovers, hazers, the good and the bad, sinners and saints, who should hear what you've told me, who should see what you've shown me, who should taste what you gave me, who should feel how you forgave me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And they all need this too. We all do need it for our own. Y'all give it up for Isabel. Hey, Issa, that's for you. Hey, Issa, I'm asking you a question. Do you, know, do you know that Daddy knows you? Yes. And do you know that Daddy loves you? Yes. But who knows you and loves you more than I do? God does. God does. That's right. To be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And God knows everything about you. And there is nothing about you that will change the fact that he is absolutely crazy about you. There's nothing that you have done or will do. It does not matter. Your ethnicity, it does not matter. Your social background, if you're rich or if you're poor, because God knows you. You are his beloved. You are his child. He sent his son to die for you because he loves you. Because he loves you, because you are created in his image, and because you are created in his image, you can stand up with a dignity because you are a child of God. Because you are created in his image, you can stand up because you know that you are known by God. And because you are created in his image, you can stand up because you know that you are loved by God. To be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And God knows you and loves you. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for my daughter, Isabel, who did an incredible job. Jesus, we thank you that you came down because you want to know us, because you love us. We thank you that you died for each one of us on the cross. And we pray that tonight that there wouldn't be anyone that would leave this room without knowing that they are known and loved by you. Jesus, would you be with us tonight as, as we go on from here and we go into discipleship, Lord, would you do something incredible tonight? We love you, and we pray this all in your name. Amen. <laughs>